Chapter Three of Rose Mather: A Tale by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three, the departure. The Thirteenth Regiment was ordered to Elmira, and the day had arrived for the departure of the volunteers. Bright was the sun and cloudless the sky, which shone on Rockland that spring day but cloudless sky nor warm spring sun could comfort the hearts about to part with their treasures some for ever and some to meet again but when or where or how none could tell save him who holds the secret of the future there were mothers who had never felt a pang so keen or a pain so sore as when with hearts too full of anguish for the dry red eyes to weep they watched their sons pass from the threshold of the door and knew that when the golden sunlight falling so brightly around them was purple in the west they would look in vain for that returning step and listen in vain for tones which were the first perhaps to stir the deep fountains of maternal love fathers too were there with heads bent down to hide the tears they deemed it weak to shed as they gave the farewell blessing to their boy praying that god might be over and around him both when the deafening battle war was sounding in his ear and when in the stilly night he wrapped his blanket about him and laid him down to rest sometimes with the southern stars shining upon him and sometimes with the southern rain falling on his unsheltered head for all these vicissitudes must come to a soldier on the field wives and sisters too there were who shuddered as they thought how the dear ones to whom they said good-bye would miss the comforts they were leaving miss the downy pillow the soft warm bed made with loving hands and the luxuries of home never prized one half so much as now when they were to be exchanged for a life within the camp and there were maidens from whose cheeks the roses faded as they gave the parting kiss and promised to be faithful even though the manly form the lover bore away should come back to them all maimed and crushed and crippled with the toil of war far better so than not to come at all at least so annie graham thought as winding her arms around her husband's neck she whispered to him if the body you bring back has my george's heart within it i shall love you just the same as i do now and with her fair head lying on his bosom annie wept piteously not till then had she realized what it was to let him go she had become somewhat accustomed to thinking of it accustomed to seeing him pass in and out dressed in his stylish uniform which made him look so handsome and then she had hoped the regiment would not be ordered for a long long time never perhaps but now that dream was over the dreaded hour had come and for a moment annie felt herself too weak to meet it through the livelong night she had prayed or if perchance sleep for a moment shut the swollen lids the lips had moved in prayer that her husband might come back to her again or failing to do so that he might grasp even at the eleventh hour the christian's faith and so go to the christian's home where they could meet once more she had given him her little bible all pencil marked and worn with daily usage the one she read when first the spirit taught her the meaning of its great mysteries and george had promised he would read it every day had said that when he went to battle he would place it next his heart a talisman to shield him from the bullets of the foe and annie smiling through her tears pointed him again to the only one who could stand between him and death asking that when he was far away he would remember what she said and pray to the god she honoured it's time now darling he said at last as he heard in the distance the beat of the drum but the clinging arms refused to leave his neck and the quivering lips pressed so constantly to his murmured wait a little minute more tis the last you know again the drum-beat was heard mingled with the shrill notes of the fife the soldiers were marching down the street and he must go but oh who can tell of the love the pain 
the grief the tears mingled with that parting or the agony it caused poor annie to take her arms from his neck to feel him putting her away to hear him going from the room across the threshold down the walk through the gate and know that he was gone as a child in peril instinctively turns to the mother who it knows has never failed to succour so annie turned to god and with a moaning cry for help sank on her knees just where george had left her burying her face in the lounge she prayed that he who heareth even the raven's cry would care for her husband and bring him home again if that could be so absorbed was she as not to hear the gate's sharp click nor the footstep coming up the walk impelled by something he could not resist george had paused just by the garden fence and yielding to the impulse which said he must see annie's face once more he stole softly to the open door and stood gazing at her as she knelt her hands clasped together and her face hidden from his view as she prayed for him will the kind father keep my george from peril if it can be but if oh god how can i say it if he must die teach him the road to heaven that was what she said and george listening to her felt as if it were an angel's presence in which he stood he could not disturb her she was in safer hands than his and he would rather leave her thus would rather think of her when far away just as he saw her last kneeling in her desolation and praying for him it will help to make me a better man he said and brushing aside the great tears swimming in his eyes he left his angel annie and went on his way to battle just off from rockland's main street and in a cottage more humble than that of george graham the sun shone on another parting on widow sims giving up her boys and straining every nerve to look composed and keep back the maternal love throbbing so madly at her heart rigid as if cut in stone were the lines upon her forehead and around her mouth as she bustled about doing everything exactly as it should be done and coming often to where isaac sat trying to look unconcerned and whistling dixie as he pulled on the soft warm pair of socks she had sat up nights to knit him eli and john had some too snugly tucked away in their bundle but isaac's were different she had ravelled her own lamb's wool stockings for the material composing his for isaac's feet were tender there were marks of kilblains on them they would become sore and swollen from the weary march and his mother would not be there with soothing lint and ointment made from the blue pokeberries great pains had the widow taken with her breakfast that morning preparing each son's favourite dish and bringing out the six china cups and damask cloth part of her grandmother's bridal dower it was a very tempting table and john and eli tried to eat exchanging meaning smiles when they saw their mother put in isaac's cup the biggest lump of sugar and the largest share of cream they did not care for they too loved the fair-haired smooth-faced boy sipping the yellow coffee he could not drink for the mysterious bunches rising so fast in his throat the breakfast was over now isaac was trying on his socks while eli and john knowing their mother would rather be alone when she said good-bye to her baby prepared to start talking quite loud and keeping up stout courage till the last moment came when both the tall six-foot young men put their arms around the widow's neck and faltered a faint good-bye mother good-bye there were no tears in the mother's eyes nor in the son's but in the breast of each there was a whirlpool of raging waters hurting far more than if they had been suffered to overflow in torrents eli was the first to go for john lingered a moment there was something he would say something which made him blush and stammer mother he began i saw susan last night we went to squire harding's together and and 
well tain't no use opposing it now susan and i are one and if i shouldn't come back be good to her for my sake susan's a nice girl mother and on the brown bearded cheek there was a tear wrung out by thoughts of only last night's bride susan ruggles whose family the widow did not like and had set herself against there was no help now and a sudden start was all the widow's answer she was not angry john knew and satisfied with this he joined his brother in the yard where he was cutting his name upon the beech-tree thrice the widow called them back failing each time to remember what she wanted to say it was something sure and the hard hands worked nervously twisting up the gingham apron into a roll smoothing it out again and working at the strings until eli and john passed from the yard and left her standing there watching them as they walked down the road they were a grand-looking couple she thought as she saw how well they kept step they were to march together to the depot she knew and nobody in town could turn out a finer span but who would go with isaac stub his brothers called him she hoped it might be judge warner's son it would be such an honour and that brought her back to the fact that isaac was waiting for her inside that the hardest part of all was yet to come the bidding him good-bye he was not in the chair where she had left him sitting but was standing by the window and raising often to his eyes his cotton handkerchief he heard his mother come in and turning toward her he said with a sobbing laugh i wish the plaguey thing was over she thought he meant the war and answered that it would be in a few months perhaps i don't mean that i mean the telling you good-bye mother oh mother and the warm-hearted boy clasped his mother to his bosom crying like a child if i've ever been mean to you he said his voice choked with tears if i've ever been mean to you or done a hateful thing you'll forget it when i'm gone i never meant to be bad and the time i made that face and called you an old fool when i was a little boy you don't know how sorry i felt nor how long i cried in the trundle bed after you were asleep you'll forget it won't you when i am gone never to come back maybe will you mother say would she could she remember aught against her youngest born save that he had ever been to her the best the dearest most obedient child in the world no she could not and so she told him caressing his light brown hair and showering upon it the kisses which the compressed lips could no longer restrain the fountain of love was broken and the widow's tears dropped like rain on the upturned face of her boy suddenly there came to their ears the same drum-beat which had sounded so like a funeral knell to annie graham isaac must go but not till one act more was done mother he whispered half hesitatingly it will make me a better soldier if you say the lord's prayer with me just as you used to do with your hand upon my head i'll kneel down if you like and the boy of eighteen wearing a soldier's dress did kneel down nor felt shame as the shaky hand rested once more on his bowed head while his mother said with him the prayer learned years ago kneeling as he knelt now surely to the angels looking on there was charge given concerning that young boy charge to see that no murderous bullet came near him even though they should fall round him thick and fast as summer hail it would seem that some such thought as this intruded itself upon the widow sims for where the swelling pain had been there came a gentle peace god would care for isaac he would send him home in safety and so the bitterness of that parting was more than half taken away again the drum beat just as annie heard it another pressure of the hand another burning kiss another good-bye mother don't fret too much about us 
and then the last of the widow's boys was gone turn we now to the shanty-like building down by the mill where the mother of harry and bill rocked to and fro upon the unmade bed and rent the air with her dismal howls hoping thus to win at least one tender word from the two youths voraciously devouring the breakfast she like widow sims had been at so much pains to prepare watching even through her tears to see if they want going to leave her one atom of the steak she had spent her yesterday's earnings to buy no they didn't harry took the last piece growling angrily at bill who kinder-hearted than his brother suggested that hal shouldn't be a pig but leave something for the old woman leave it yourself was harry's gruff response and turning to his mother he told her not to make a fool of herself when she knew she was glad to be rid of them at any rate if she were not the whole village were adding by way of consolation that he should probably end his days in state prison if he stayed at home and he had better be shot in a fair fight as there was some credit in that around harry baker's childhood there clustered no remembrance of prayers said at the mother's knee or of bible stories told in the dusky twilight and though reared in new england within sight of the church spire he had rarely been inside the house of god and this it was which made the difference between that scene and the one transpiring in the house of widow sims all the animal passions in harry baker's case were brought to full perfection unsubdued by any softer influence and rising from the table after filling his stomach almost to bursting he swaggered across the room and opening his bundle began to comment upon the different articles he having been too drunk to notice them when given to him on the previous night what in thunder is this for he exclaimed holding up the calico housewife and letting buttons scissors and thread drop upon the floor plaguy pretty implements of war these and he began to enumerate the articles fine-tooth comb black as the ace of spades good enough idea that ain't used one since i can remember and he passed it through his shaggy hair whose appearance fully verified the truth of his assertion half a paper of pins why didn't the stingy critters give us more an old brass thimble too here mother i'll give you that to remember me by and he tossed it into her lap the drawers then took his attention the identical pair rose mather made and though they were better than any he had ever worn he laughed at them derisively trying them on he succeeded in making quite a long rip in one of the seams for rose's stitches were none the shortest then with a flourish he kicked them off uttering an oath as he felt a sharp scratch from the needle which rose had broken and failed to extricate the woollen shirt came next but any remarks he might have made upon that were prevented by his catching sight of the little brown book which lay at the bottom of the bundle hurrah bill if it ain't a testament with harry baker inside rich by george wonder if they s'posed i'd read it let us see what it says come on to me all ye that labour mother that means you scrubbin and workin you know keep the pesky thing i enlisted to lick the southerners not to sing hymns and psalms and he threw the sacred book across the floor just as the first drum-beat sounded that's the signal he exclaimed and hastily rolling up the shirt and drawers he started for the door carelessly saying come bill take your testament and come along good-bye old lady you needn't wear black if i'm killed twon't pay i guess oh harry harry wait wait billy boy do wait give your old marm one kiss and the poor woman tottered toward harry who savagely repulsed her saying he wasn't going to have her slobberin over him you billy then you'll let me kiss you won't you 
and she turned toward bill who hesitated a moment but harry was in the way bill was afraid of harry's jeers and so he too refused while the wailing cries rose louder oh billy do just once and i've been so good to you just once do billy shan't do it was bill's reply as he followed harry who as a farewell parting had hurled a stone at a cow across the street set the dog on his mother's kitten stepped on the old cat's tail and then left the yard slamming after him the rickety gate his mother had tried in vain to have him fix before he went billy however waited there was something more human in his nature than in his brother's he had not thrown his testament away and the sight of it in his bundle had touched a tender cord making him half resolved to read it watching his brother till he was out of sight he went back to where his mother sat moaning dolefully oh that i should raise sich boys that i should raise sich boys mother he said and mrs baker's heart fairly leaped at the sound for there was genuine sympathy in the tone mother now that hal has gone i don't mind kissin you or lettin you kiss me if you want to the doleful moan was a perfect scream as the shrivelled arms clasped bill while the joyful mother kissed the rough but not ill-humoured face there now don't screech so like an owl he said releasing himself from her and adding as he glanced at a huge silver watch won by gambling maybe seein i've a few minutes to spare i'll drive a nail or so into that confounded gate and i don't know but while i'm about it i'll split you an armful of wood i had or to have cut up the hole on it i s'pose but when hell is round i can't do nothin it was strange how many little things bill did do in these few minutes he had to spare things which added greatly to his mother's comfort and saved her several shillings beside making a soft warm spot in a heart which knew not many such glancing at the tall clock brought from new england when mrs baker first moved to rockland bill remarked the darn thing has stopped again i orter to have isle did i s'pose it would kind of been company for you here in it tick ay bum if i hain't a mind to give you this old turnip and again he drew out the silver watch you'll lay abed all day without no time like enough i'll nab one from some tarnal rebel who knows and with his favourite expression nuff said bill laid the watch upon the table his mother moaning all the while billy boy billy boy i never sought so much store by you before how can i let you go stay billy do or else run away the first chance you get will you billy boy not by a jugful was the emphatic response i ain't none of that kind i'll be shot like a dog before i'll run the baker name shall never be disgraced by my desertin it's more like hal to do that but don't howl so i'm kinder puttin on the tender you know cause i'm goin away i should be ugly as ever if i's to stay to hum so stop your snivellin and having driven the last nail into a broken chair bill gathered up his bundle and with the single remark nuff said darted through the open door and was off ere his mother fairly comprehended it there was a great crowd out that morning to see the company off fathers mothers wives and sisters those who had friends in the company and those who had none the mather carriage was there and from its window rose's childish face looked out now irradiated with smiles as its owner bowed to some acquaintance and again shadowed with sympathy as the cries of some bereaved one were heard amid the throng 
widow sims too was there drawn thither by a desire to see if isaac did march with charley warner as she hoped he would notwithstanding that he had told her he was probably too short she didn't believe that he was taller than he looked and inasmuch as charley was the most aristocratic of the company she did hope isaac would go with him so there she stood waiting not far from mrs baker who had dried her eyes and come for a last look at her boys onward the soldiers came slowly steadily onward the regular tread of their feet and the measured beat of the drum making solemn music as they came and sending a chill to many a heart for twas no gala day no fourth of july no old-fashioned general training they were there to celebrate every drum-beat was a note of war and they who kept time to it were going forth to battle onward onward still they came george graham's splendid figure towering above the rest and eliciting more than one flattering compliment from the lookers-on there were john and eli side by side john eagerly scanning the female forms which lined the walk for a sight of last night's bride and eli looking for his mother if perchance she should be there she was there and what to john was better yet she stood with her hand on susan's shoulder showing that thus early she was trying to mother her that's him that's john and susan's voice faltered as she pointed him out to the widow whose heart gave one great spasm of pain as she saw him and then grew suddenly still with wrath and indignation for alas her isaac who was to have gone with charley warner son of rockland's judge was marching with william baker bill who had been to the workhouse twice to say nothing of the times he had stolen her rare ripes and early melons she had not looked for anything like this and could scarcely believe her senses yet there they were right before her eyes isaac and bill the former hoping his mother would not see him and the latter trying not to see his mother who was quite as much delighted to see him with isaac sims as the widow would have been had isaac been with charley warner just in front mrs baker had followed her sons to the hall had heard the reasons for the captain's decision and she called out in a loud exultant tone miss sims miss sims do you see your ike with billy cap'n johnson would have put him with charley warner if he hadn't fell short two inches look kinder nice together don't they only ike stoops a trifle pears to me it didn't peer so to widow sims but then her eyes were blurred so that she could not see distinctly for strange to say the sharpest pang of all was the knowing that isaac so pure so gentle so girl-like must be a companion for reckless swearing gambling bill and for a time she could not quite forgive her youngest-born that he had not just been two inches taller blind ignorant widow sims the hour will come when on her bended knees she'll thank the overruling hand which kept her boy from growing just two inches taller onward still onward they moved until they turned the corner and paused before the depot a little apart from the rest george graham stood wishing that the cars would come and building airy castles of what would be when he returned covered with laurels as he was sure to do if only opportunities were offered he would distinguish himself he thought with many a brave deed so that the papers would talk of him as a gallant hero and when he came back to rockland the people would come out to meet him a denser crowd than was assembled now their faces would not then be so sad for they would come to do him honour and in fancy he heard the stirring notes of the martial music and saw the smile of joy steal over the weather-beaten features of the leader of the band the man with the jammed white hat as he piped that welcome home there would be carriages there too more than now and maybe there would be a carriage expressly for him and the dreamer saw the long procession moving down the street 
saw the little boys on the walk the women at the doors and heard the peal of the village bells it would be grand he thought if he could have a crown just as the roman victors used to do it would please annie so much to see him thus triumphant she would not come up to the depot he knew she would rather be alone when she met him while he too would prefer that all those people should not be looking on when he kissed his little wife just then the train appeared and the confusion became greater as the crowd drew nearer together and the man with the jammed white hat who was to fight george's welcome home redoubled his exertions and tried his best to drown his own emotions in the harsh sounds he made but above the fife's shrill scream above the bass drum's beat and above the engine's hiss was heard the sound of wailing as one by one the rockland volunteers stepped aboard the train bill was the last to go for as a parting act he had fired the old cannon which almost from time immemorial had heralded to rockland sleeping citizens that twelve o'clock had struck and it was independence day some said it was no good omen that the worn-out gun burst in twain from the heavy charge with which bill had seen fit to load it but bill cared not for omens and with three cheers and a tiger for uncle sam he jumped upon the platform just as the final all aboard was shouted there was a ringing of the bell a sudden puffing of the engine a straining of machinery a sweeping backward of the wreaths of smoke and then where so lately one hundred soldiers had been there was nothing left save an open space of frozen ground and iron rails as cold and empty as the hearts of those who watched until the last curling ring of vapour died amid the eastern woods and then went sadly back to the homes left so desolate End of chapter three